the the last song I wrote actually was a song with Rusco, which I've always wanted to do. I, I feel like I put all I was like just so stoked about it and put all my energy into it. And I'm like super happy about it. But then after that, I just I feel like I have nothing left. Welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. I'm his manager, Anand Harsh, and our fans will be thrilled to learn that the one and only Dirt Monkey is back on the podcast. He and Bill have a collab out on Dirt Monkey's own 19K label. It's on Bill's Wub EP. Patrick and Bill get along super well and always have these incredible conversations. So you know it's going to be a fun one. Dirt Monkey has a drive-in show at the Adler Lot on Lakeshore Drive with Peekaboo on Thursday, July 30th, if you're in the Chicagoland area and you're hyped for a socially distant, safe outdoor experience. He'll be in Detroit in the middle of August as well. We're also thrilled to announce that our podcast producer Robert and his wife just had their second child. Dominic was born this morning, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, weighing in at 7 pounds, 12 ounces, and measuring a full 20 and 3 quarter inches. So congrats to the family, and wow, you are lucky that this labor was quick because Robert was still able to drop the episode. What a champ. To that end, he's got a new mouth to feed, which is why we appreciate so much everyone who has subscribed on Patreon. Remember, you get early access to all episodes, which are now a full week ahead of when they are released to the general public. Patrons also got a bonus episode last week. There are merch perks, Discord roles, and so much more. So head over to patreon.com slash Mr. Bill's Tunes to help feed our growing podcast family. Go to mrbillstunes.com to sign up as a hardcore Abletoneer. You get full access to Bill's project files and tutorials so you can step your production game up. So happy to say Dirt Monkey returns. Enjoy the episode. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. all right man well um yeah thanks for for doing the podcast again i appreciate it yeah dude it's it's been a while yeah i haven't chatted with you in in a while for sure um what do you what have you been up to i mean i know you've been playing some shows that's one of the things i wanted to get you on again about mostly um out of personal uh inquiry and and curiosity but yeah. also just because I feel like a lot of people right now have questions about um, doing shows, right? And I mean, yeah, you, sure. you saw like a bit. So to give people uh, um, a bit of like backstory, you were sort of like the the one to break the seal on shows under COVID restrictions, right? It seemed like to me, it seemed like. Um, yeah, I think I was the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah. for better or for worse. Right, right. Um, do you want to explain what happened? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, before, I don't know, but before the U.S. kind of went in, into these, like, secondary 
you know, spikes, I guess, that have happened since the protests and all that. Yeah, I got a I got asked to play a show in Orlando, Florida, and I, it just came totally out of nowhere. I, I got asked like the night before the show. Mm-hmm. So it was basically like, hey, do you want to play the show tomorrow and buy a plane ticket for tomorrow morning to go out? And I did it. And yeah, I was the I was the first one. I as I mean, I know there were, there were other people like there had been clubs open and all that in Florida. I think maybe in Florida, Texas, some other places. Yeah, but, it's uh, funny too because if you look at the uh, the graphs for COVID nineteen cases, Florida and Texas are the ones that are like spiking hard right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure, they were like behind. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I don't know. It's it's just so yeah. I don't know. It's all just like this new situation that none of us have ever been through. Well, it's not necessarily true because, I, I mean, there was like the, the plague back in, I think people keep comparing this to the to the plague in 1912 or whatever, which was it the Spanish flu maybe or the, the bubonic plague? The Spanish plague or, flu, yeah. Yeah, people keep comparing it to that. So, I mean, that was a thing we went through, but we haven't been through this in a long time, that's for sure. Like the right. people who are like maybe... 80 years old at this point have never seen this in their lifetime yeah it's it's like like, multiple generations ago that something close to this happened and from what i understand the spanish flu was killing like young people Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was way worse yeah i think i want to say it killed like a third of the population maybe or i don't know It, it was it seemed a lot worse than this but also that's because i think media at this point like the internet and stuff it is making it a lot easier for people to sort of know what to do in this situation, which is obviously, I mean, to me, it seems like just common sense, right? Just stay away from other people and everyone doesn't die. <laughs> it seems, seems yeah. to me. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, think, I think for sure there's a level of hysteria. But, I mean, not, not to take away from, like, the fact that it's a virus that's, like, killing some people. It's making other people just really sick. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's like uh, an aspect to it that's like just hysteria, you know, like it's it's a good media thing to have, which. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought of this the other day as well. I was like, for instance, um, I don't know, like like a good example is like having a Nest camera, right? I noticed when I got a Nest camera, I would just like check it all the time because I'd be like, oh, I wonder what's like going on at my house. And like, you know, and then I would I would be almost more paranoid about what was going on at my house because my phone would be pinging me all the time being like oh. movement on your camera or whatever, you know? And, and it was like, you know, your cat. just my, yeah, it's just a cat or like, you know, some light moving across the ground because the sun was shining through the, the curtains in a certain way or something like that. Yeah. And, and just like sort of knowing that that information was there and pinging me with it would definitely kind of like make me more fearful of or not more fearful but just more paranoid of like what was happening in my house versus when I just didn't know about it I was just like fine with it but I guess that's that goes back to the old saying ignorance is bliss right doesn't necessarily mean it's better to be ignorant right yeah I mean yeah there's certain things that I think it's better to be ignorant with like I don't know I I went through a little period recently of just not looking at my phone for like mm-hmm. a month straight. Like I didn't Damn. go on any social media 
Um, just because I, I mean, man, it's just uh, on top of the COVID stuff, just everything that we've been going through in the world has been like absolutely insane. Right. Yeah. And, like the, the Black Lives Matter thing. And then, yeah. The, and then Space Jesus and Bass Nectar statutorily oh, raping dude. some young women. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's people that, you know, like you think were your friends and then you find stuff out and you're like, oh, man. Mm. <laughs> All right. But uh, no, but and and I think like as far as like, you know, the civil rights movement, that's something that was long overdue and needed to happen. And I think it it happened during like the perfect storm of, um, you know, everyone being everyone having been quarantined for a few months. Right. And also everyone being somewhat available, right, to like rebel a little bit because, um, yeah, you know, the obviously a lot of people aren't able to work right now. So people people definitely like weren't distracted as much as they would have been usually with their own stuff. And therefore able to um, pay more attention to like issues such as Black Lives Matter. Um, But I don't know, man, I feel like a little a little bit. I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement comes up like every few years or every once a year or something like that. And and Mm -hmm. I think it's like totally warranted and good. And I'm glad that it keeps coming up. But it always seems like it's just, you know, a, a few weeks or a month or something where people are like thinking a fleeting about it and thing. that sort of just goes away again. And I feel like that needs to change. I feel like this is a thing we need to sort of just like keep thinking about until it's solved. Yeah. Same as coronavirus. You know, it's like it's not it's not a thing that we can stop thinking about until until the problem is actually solved either by vaccines or by I don't know, the pandemic being declared over because everyone has either had it and died or had it and recovered. Well, I mean, the one big thing that nobody talks about is like just our immune systems too like that's 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 where i think like the hysteria comes into play because the media has not once mentioned like you know what to do to like improve your immune system to maybe like strengthen it so that you can if you're around people that might have it your Mm. immune system can like naturally fight it off yeah i mean Um, that's a decent point i mean there's definitely been people who have gotten it who are over the age of 50 like i can't remember who it was there was like an actor was it um fuck what's his name tom hanks not that actor there was another actor that had it i can't remember his name but um anyway there's there's been a few people who who have had it like the actor i'm thinking of is like ripped and and he's like a fit dude and he got coronavirus and he got over it just fine um Mm -hmm. it seemed like and there's been a few other people who who have fit and have have gotten over it. There was also um I heard this on Joe Rogan actually that there was a kid who was like 17 years old who died from it, and the media was saying like there was nothing wrong with this kid, They're like you know totally normal healthy 17 year old kid dies from coronavirus, but then it turns out he actually had like type two diabetes or something like that. Oh so, yeah, which is not nothing like that that's unhealthy. yeah yeah for sure and and that's that's when i talk about hysteria that's what i talk that's what i mean is when the media mean, it's like fear-mongering right yeah the media can push out a story that's like good either clickbait or just you know tv bait whatever you mm. know get your attention and right, leave just, leave out little little but just as like much that. right as as the media is pushing out these fear-mongering stories. You also have scientists pushing out actual information through like the CDC and the WHO and stuff like that. And the information that they're pushing out is 
basically don't be near anyone if you can avoid it don't go outside if it's not necessary wear masks stay we'll six see that. apart from people see that that's the organizations you just mentioned have been flip-flopping this whole time though well and yeah, contradicting themselves that they've gone back on and stuff like that but i feel like honestly the statements and stuff that they they go back on is just because they don't fully understand it like i think they said something the other day the who said something like um it's like almost impossible to get sick from an asymptomatic person and then they flip-flopped on that like i think it was like an hour later they were like hold on (laughs) that information is maybe incorrect yeah so i mean the fact that they're like flip-flopping they're just i think giving us the most up-to-date information at all times just to I don't, know. I don't think they're like intentionally lying to us, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't know who to trust. And I and I know there's like in in science there's like a lot of money behind like, like the, you know, I have been hearing about scientists getting grants from certain people or certain organizations where in order to get the grant, they have to like provide the results that that organization wants. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that. But in true science, you essentially, um, the goal is to prove yourself wrong. And exactly. if, you prove, if you prove yourself wrong, you kind of like get better. Like the scientific community sees you as like a more legitimate scientist or whatever. You kind of get get points for proving yourself wrong. Yeah, I would I would like to think that that's how the whole science community is. But yeah. there's no, just too right. much, a, a lot of the too much money. Yeah, a lot of the science community is probably not like that. Um, I want to go back to the Orlando show though, just to like re, just to to go over that story properly. So, yeah, what I understand is you were just at home. You got a call from your agent Jake Bernstein, and he was like, There's a, "The shows are happening again. You can go play a show tomorrow night in Orlando at Guilt if you want, and you would just need to get a flight and go there and play it." Yeah. And you agreed to do that and then you flew to to Orlando. What are what are the airports like right now? <laughs> well, the airports everywhere else, it's you know, everyone's everyone's wearing mask like you're required to wear a mask and like everyone's pretty pretty good about it because in an airport in general it's it's good to I think everyone has a heightened level of trying not to spread their germs or like get other people's germs on them. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, airports are pretty are pretty good about everyone like being conscious of that. When I when I, when I landed in Florida though, it was literally like nobody had like it seemed like nobody had any idea that the there was a pandemic going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> which you know, no offense to Florida, but it's a very like yeehaw, like woo! All right, let's let's uh we're just doing our thing and you know whatever um so it it doesn't totally surprise me that there was a spike after because the whole state was like pretty much wide open while the rest of the country had been quarantining for a while right um so uh and and in in the club it was it was a little bit better because they were they were putting out these guidelines of like we can't require you to wear masks but we're strongly strongly encouraging it and and you know as i'm as i've played a couple more shows i've been pushing to just have that be more extreme 
yeah, to say, so, like, required. So and in Guilt, they couldn't, they, they're not legally allowed in, at Guilt Nightclub in Florida to, to tell you that you have to wear a mask. But is it possible for you as the artist playing to say, I'm not comfortable playing unless everyone's wearing a mask? Or how does that work? I mean, I could, but the, the fact is you're not going to get every single person in the crowd to keep their mask on all night i mean you could with like decent security and stuff like that who just kicks people out as soon as they see anyone without a mask on i'm sure that if word got around the club that people were getting kicked out uh for taking their masks off that people would just keep them on right yeah i don't know i guess it it's tricky like they the police department in orlando said it's it's like illegal it's unconstitutional to force people to keep their masks on that's like literally what they said. So they, cause they had the police department there for the whole show. They had the police department, like what's it called? Like a detail or something where you have a couple cops that are, I think it was, I don't know if they were off duty. I think they were on duty, but um, yeah, they were just there to make sure that they were going by all the guidelines and all that. And they were also checking everyone's temperature going into the club. Yeah. That's crazy to me that, <laughs> that they, they, they were saying stuff like that. I mean, I I agree to, to, to some extent that, yes, making somebody do something that they don't want to do is kind of shitty. But I think this is like a pretty unprecedented and extreme circumstance, right? Where, yeah. the, where not wearing a mask is, yes, sure, it might not be what you want to do, but it's kind of like if you don't, you're putting other people's lives at risk. So, or I mean... As a whole, you know, if everybody sort of doesn't wear masks, it seems like you're just, uh, as a society, netting more deaths. So to me, it seems like mandatory mask wearing should definitely, uh, in at least in those situations, and I think in all, almost all situations until we solve this problem, um, should should be in effect. Yeah, I mean, at least at least in a club. For like sure, if you're in, if you're in a, or yeah, in like indoor spaces, you know, like if you're in a closed environment with especially with like questionable ventilation right well Definitely. even with ventilation right because um apparently like air conditioning that recycles air and stuff like that is super good at like spreading the virus around too oh yeah yeah like on an airplane or even in a club i mean they, they recycle air in buildings as well like yeah. shopping centers and stuff like that yeah i don't know i've i've done a couple more shows um it, you know in inside of venues and it's been like thousand person clubs with where they cap it at like a hundred people oh wow okay. so it's it's like super empty feeling yeah it's kind of it's weird because they like sell out but then it's feels like you're playing to an empty room but um you know everyone that's there is like thank god i like we like needed this yeah, which i dope. which i totally get there's like there's the other side of all this, which is like the mental health toll that it's taken on everyone. Like, I don't think I don't know anyone that hasn't like suffered a little bit from just everything like the. Right. But I mean, it's a shitty situation. And yes, like it's going to affect people's mental health a little bit. But then you got to ask yourself like the ethical. Um, yeah, I guess it's an ethical question. Like is it worth you being a little bit sad for a couple of months to save a few lives or <clears throat> would you prefer 
some people die so you can go to a dubstep show like that seems to me to be like the question to ask here yeah i don't know i think that's a bit extreme because i think um I, I mean people people have the choice to that they're not being forced to go to the show or anything and it's, no, 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 but that's like, not how the thing spreads. It's not like the problem is like getting sick at the show. The, the problem is like people, like let's say one sick person goes to a 100-person show, right? And let's just say, I don't know, he spreads it to 15 other people or she spreads it to 15 other people. And then those 15 people go home, they get their families sick, those families have gone to work or to, you know, let's say they're essential workers or let's say they're, uh, you know, one's a bus driver or something like that you know like uh, the thing the problem with this is like the the growth of it is like exponential and, and that's the way it spreads it's not necessarily i don't think getting sick of the actual show itself is the problem right yeah no i agree but i mean i the same could be said with like any situation where you're like indoors with a bunch of people which we all everyone's doing and the same could be said with like protests as well like cramming a bunch of people into tight spaces even though it's outside yeah i kind of thought there was going to be a bunch of spikes from the protests but there actually wasn't i mean it's i yeah i don't know <laughs> the the spikes that you see on the on the graph like the, i think the last spike or two that you've seen on a on on all graphs was actually from memorial day hmm. i haven't really like looked at the spikes very closely but I heard I'm I'm in Minneapolis right now, and I heard they had, I heard I was talking to someone last night who said they had a pretty big spike here. I mean, since this is like kind of the the epicenter of all that with George right. Floyd being killed yeah. here and all that. Right, right, yeah. Maybe the protests there were like more dense, or at least I imagine they probably were. Yeah, they. It was interesting though because they they were saying that they had a a big spike in cases, but then no change in the death, like in the death right hmm. because it was all younger people it was mostly like younger people uh, yeah. protesting so that makes sense i guess they're uh, according to this person their death rate was kind of going down because of hmm. that yeah true interesting um so i have more questions about shows uh <laughs> because the the capacity is um smaller so i mean you, you're playing you said to was guilt guilt is like 50 percent capacity right and that's a yeah 1000 ish person club so that was what 500 yeah. people yeah but the other one you said you played to 100 people in a 1000 person club yeah yeah these these other so i've played st louis um which was yeah that was like a thousand people in a or a hundred people in a thousand person room mm -hmm. um and then i'm i'm doing i did last night and tonight at the loft in minneapolis which is same same kind of thing, like 100 people in there. True, and um, you're doing two nights? Yeah. True. And so what are the um, ticket prices and fees like for that? Are they charging more for tickets to people going so your fee can sort of remain where it was? Or are you sort of, is everybody just uh, paying the same as they were for tickets back in the day and, and your fees are just way lower because not as many people can come? Or like how is that all working? Yeah, the last one you just said. <laughs> Yeah, my my fee my fees are like I'm I'm getting like probably a fifth of what I was getting Damn. leading up to this, but I mean, it's better than not working at all, and it's right. yeah, totally. and it's 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 helping like it's helping these places like kind of stay afloat and like helping 
the people that have been out of a job for a while and mm. all that keep going. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely see it from both sides. Um, luckily, I'm in a fairly privileged position um, because I sort of worked really hard uh, throughout my career, not just on like shows and stuff like that, but also like doing the website thing where I sell like educational content and sample packs and all that sort of stuff. So I've been okay through this thing, luckily. But um, yeah, I can f fucking see a bunch of my friends and stuff who are having a pretty hard time uh, not working but also the thing that bothers me or worries me rather is um <clears throat> like booking agents right um they're for artists to play shows you need a booking agent to book them really so what's going to happen to all these booking agents who, who have been out of work the whole year as well because they may not have as much saved up as the artists or whatever and you know who knows maybe they do but yeah i mean, I mean if you you can go entire, all the way you go all the way down the line for like a, a team of an artist yeah, right, yeah they're the ones that are suffering the most since they're making a percentage of what the artist is making yeah yeah exactly which yeah kind of worries me because it's like if all these teams have to get new jobs um what's the music industry going to look like at the other end you're going to have yeah. like uh artists who just don't have teams anymore and stuff like that and you know these artists even though it's okay for them to play shows again in maybe I don't know, a year or two or however long it's going to be, we'll still end up not being able to for a while because they're going to have to, like, figure out a new team situation. Yeah. Uh, dude, it's crazy. It's so weird. I was just, it, you just made me think about how, like, uncertain our future is. Oh, dude, yeah. So, I mean, like, there's, the team thing is one thing, but also, like you were saying, um, playing shows is, is helping venues stay afloat. Um, yeah, you got to think about it from that angle too, right? Like what happens yeah. to all the venues that, you know, how much is it to, to pay rent on a huge building? Like for instance, the loft where you're playing tonight yeah. is in a, it's all owned by, I think the same person, right? It's like the same person who owns the Skyway and the Studio B and, yeah. and all of that. It's like that fucking rent for that building must be insane. Like, you know, 50 grand a month or something like that. Oh yeah. So it's like, at least. Yeah, so like what's going to happen to the person who's, you know, going to default on, you know, 50 or 100 grand of rent a month. You know, that building is maybe going to get taken over by a a startup who takes pictures from space with miniature satellites or something like that and, <laughs> and then yeah, you end up with uh, no venues to play in as well. Or I mean, what's going to happen potentially is there will be venues to play, but smaller artists like me uh, probably never going to get to play them because every night of the week they're going to be booked up by bigger artists. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, what I if you're if you're thinking that way, then it's it's going to have to be like if bigger artists do want to play shows, they're going to have to charge a ridiculous amount of money for tickets unless they're just doing it because they want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying like if, if a big artist like Ganja, who usually can sell ten thousand tickets in Minneapolis, needs to revert to playing a smaller club or something like that, um, they're going to have to charge a lot more to say sell uh, to make their fees for a five hundred person show or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess part of it too is artists are just going to have to kind of suck it up and um, take the hit of like not making the fees that they were making before <clears throat> yeah i mean i think that's unfortunately it right is um there's just not a lot you can do about it and it sucks that artists have to take a lot of the brunt here 
whilst yeah. other industries flourish like tech for instance but then again like tech is something that we all use every day and you know a lot of tech is good stuff but you know stuff like facebook and zoom and shit like that are definitely not hurting right now oh yeah for sure and amazon like amazon is fine yeah exactly yeah i don't know i mean it's it's yeah in the end in the end it's like it's just the wild west it feels like right now so they got lucky because they were in a good position like you put yourself in a really good position for having these avenues of income and now i think a lot of us are trying to play catch up <laughs> like right. at least those of us that have relied on playing shows it's weird being like a mid-level artist because i, I know myself and like a bunch of other people in my same level like don't really have much money saved up from mm -hmm. touring but i i for me personally i was just about to like hit that level of like being feeling financially like good and then you know when this hit i was like okay well got a few months of rent saved up but <laughs> <laughs> gotta figure something out like it's almost like you have to just plan for the worst and recalibrate everything right being in this do position you, do you think um when a, like let's say hypothetically a uh a vaccine got released uh tomorrow and it was as simple as just going to a doctor getting a shot and then you can't get coronavirus anymore um do you think like your your shows uh and your your touring schedule would pretty much revert back to normal like over the span of the next few months or how, how long do you think it would take to to sort of re uh to get back to to where where you were at in terms of your touring i'm so you're saying like if hypothetically this whole thing just got curbed yeah like hypothetically a vaccine came out today meaning pandemic is over yeah. um yeah where, where do you how many months down the line do you see your touring schedule being back to where it where it was happening like how how long do you think it would be before you you're back to sort of where you were at um i mean i don't know i i i still have i have shows booked through the end of the year but it's under the assumption that they're probably going to be either canceled or moved so if it were to stop tomorrow it would be business as usual starting tomorrow because i have shows booked um and i, I think i think a lot of the promoters are kind of just holding on and like hopeful and then once it's about a month out they're kind of like thrown in the towel it seems like right now and then a lot of a lot of stuff i'm doing now is like i don't even i don't think i have any more indoor shows after this i think it's all outdoor or drive-ins yeah i saw the drive-in one you did how did how did that work oh it was sick it was fun it was like a giant tailgate party okay so um how many people were allowed to come to that one um, I'm not sure. I don't know exactly how many cars there were. I, I want to say there were like a hundred cars. Okay. And were there like five people in each car or something? Or Yeah, they were pretty packed. Okay. So it was like 500 people. Yeah. And they, they had their little like zones, like they kind of zone you off. So hmm. your groups aren't supposed to, you know, go to the other groups, which right, right. that's pretty hard to like yeah. police. But the fact that it's outside, you know, in the heat, mm -hmm. I think that 
that out. Yes, I saw a lot of um uh like I saw a recap video and it seemed like there was a shitload of people outside of their cars just not wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, don't know. think, man, if you're gonna keep doing shows, I think, in my opinion, that you should say to the promoter and the club that masks are mandatory. I do second, say that. And secondly, it's actually in my contract. Nice, nice. Yeah, great. And and I think secondly, you should tell security to just kick people out straight away if they're not wearing masks. And what you should do is you should sell like, well, not sell extra tickets, but you should have tickets on the door that are available for people to buy after people get kicked out for not wearing a mask. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It. I don't like, know think, how think I feel about, about it's like twenty or thirty dumbasses take their mask off get kicked out that's another 20 or 30 tickets worth of back end you can be hitting on your show <laughs> true this is and a that, you know it really promotes mask wearing and and then worst case scenario they take their mask off and you you get more money so it seems like a win-win to me yeah yeah i don't know i mean it all depends on if if the security is willing to enforce that and like be I mean, going just make it a stipulation of you playing the show like what how would that be a problem? I mean, it's definitely a problem if you're doing shows and security's kicking out, like, willy-nilly kicking out people. Well, it's not willy-nilly. It's based on a, a circumstance that, that you're stipulating. And if you just put signs everywhere and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, last night everyone was wearing masks, which was cool. I think it kind of depends on, like, where you are. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe, like... You can't do that. You can't do that in Texas. <laughs> Right, yeah, that's like literally against the law or something. Yeah, that's going to turn into like a riot. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, our country really is like, I, I look at it as like a Europe kind of, where each mm -hmm. state is like its own different country. Right, So, right. Yeah, like, you can't, you can't apply the same logic to like Texas as you could apply to New York City. Mm. So, it's, it's not, I don't think it's as easy as saying I'm kicking everyone out that takes their mask off for like a second. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it depends where, but I think in some places that that should be reasonable enough to say. I think like a stipulation of you going to a show and like you said, the value of that the that the patron gets from going to the show is a little bit of like mental stimulation, right? So that they're not feeling completely fucked up from being inside all the time. Yeah. Um, which is great. But like as a condition of getting that mental stimulation, I don't think it's unreasonable to say wear a mask. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Cool. Which is why, you know, and, and I, and we do like, I do posts and all that leading up to the show saying like masks are required, wear your mask. Mm -hmm. um, and just everything we can. I I kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of want to figure out a way to, like, give everyone a really cool-looking mask. Like, oh, I want to... be sick, dude. You should I wanna, like dirt monkey masks. Yeah, and I, I want them to be, like, N95. I, I want them to be, like, really... Like, good ones. Solid ones. Um, so I just got to figure out a way. I think Dada Life did that for a while before all this. Right. I think I remember them giving masks to the whole crowd that had like a happy face on it dude imagine if you got one where the mouth looked like the mouth of a monkey and yeah. then the entire crowd just looked like monkeys yeah <laughs> that'd be so sick i know somebody yeah somebody actually told me that recently that's great so i think i think that might be the way to do it instead of uh, that it's it's just like a more positive way to like to say hey we like we gotta if we're gonna be doing these shows you know we gotta we gotta 
wear the masks inside. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's a good idea. Um, cool, man. Well, let, let's move on from shows, and I want to talk about all the canceling that's been going on. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. I mean, <clears throat> seems like at this stage it's been Space Jesus, Thriftworks, and Base Nectar, and I mean, obviously Datsik and other people, but. Um, it seems like just in the last week or whatever, there was a, the Space Jesus thing, which kind of, I mean, there was stuff coming out against Joshua uh, when when he did the Datsik tour. Yeah. And then it seems like um, that kind of, I don't know why, but it just went quiet for a while. And then I think some girls or women rather started um, coming out with uh, statements and stuff like that recently. Uh, and then there was the Bass Nectar one. And then the Thriftworks one, and it's just, fuck, man, it's a lot. Yeah, there's way more, too, but, yeah, those are the the main ones, I guess. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about the Bass Nectar one, because that's, I mean, the most intense one, I feel like. Yeah. Just because, A, he's so big, and, B, what he did seems so fucked. Not that that lessens what anyone else did, but I thought the um the weirdest thing about that, like the thing that sort of, uh, I mean, for starters, there was like outright proof that he did what he did because he was on a call with one of the victims and and told told her that she was seventeen years old. Yeah, and then he and then he basically was like really manipulative and said, "Hey, do you like want me to go rot in a Tennessee jail and get beaten up and sodomized? Because that's what's going to happen to me wait. because I because I oh. statutorily raped you, basically." Yeah. Wait, was that? Did did he did they get into that in the conversation? Yeah, yeah, he said that, which is like oh, the most man. manipulative shit ever. Because I mean, imagine yeah. saying oh, that shit to, to anyone about anything. It's just manipulative as fuck. And think about how impressionable teenagers are to somebody like that. Like they're impressionable anyway, just because of their how long they've been on the earth. But when you have like this superstar then it's just this weird level of control and uh oh man yeah it's just like sickening yeah so yeah there's obviously crazy power dynamic thing going on there so i mean g jones made a good tweet about it where he talked about um the just like all the different layers of power dynamic that lauren would have had in situations like that one being that yes he was like a superstar and the, and the women that he was um you know having sex with that were all like as far as we know 17 and potentially younger um you know looked up to him as as base nectar but then secondly it's like he's also just way older so he has that sort of power dynamic on them as well and then also yeah. you know is you know has money and generally people who are young don't have a lot of money Yep. So, you know, there's that power dynamic as well. Um, but, yeah, the, the thing that I found super questionable, apart from that phone call, was that he came out and was basically like, everything you've heard is untrue, and that is why I'm resigning my $40 million a year career. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry to everyone that I've hurt along the way. Yeah, no, nothing like that. It was just like... No, he did say that. He did? He, he that was the crazy part to me is that he said in like almost the same sentence everything you've heard is untrue i'm sorry to everyone that i've hurt along the way right that was that was the crazy part <laughs> yeah man what a fucking mess yeah. Fox pavilion made a tweet 
um, let me read it. I thought it was the weirdest tweet. It said, um, so this is from Flux Pavilion. He wrote this on July 6th, so like three days ago. He said, had a few tweets following the fall of Bass Nectar that I should step into his shoes as the bass music ringleader. To that, I say, fuck no. It's that type of idolization that gives these artists delusions of grandeur and end up feeling free to do whatever they like. Which I think is a fucking weird tweet because essentially that's, what he's saying is if really people weird. idolize him and give him... If people idolize him, he will get a delusion of grandeur and then do what these other artists have done. Oh, man. Yeah, that's but that's the, why. I... But the even weirder fucking thing is if you read through the comments on this tweet, it's just people saying shit like, oh, yeah, Flux Pavilion serving up big facts. Like, what a you're so real, bro. And all of this shit is like, dude, what? Dude, the Internet is just a complete dumpster fire right now. Right. I think that's the conclusion that I've come to. I mean, it's stuff like that that you just said is the reason that I had to like just not look at Twitter, not look at anything for like a month. Yeah, that's just... honestly a good call, man. I, Dead Mouse got off social media a long time ago at this point because he said something about transphobic stuff or I don't know. And at the time, he basically got like semi-canceled for a few days. Um, and that was enough for him to be like, all right, time for me to get off the internet. So yeah. he started getting therapy and got off the internet. And being someone that knows him personally, I've got to say that he seems to be a lot happier. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, if you c combine that with like maybe getting outside and going into nature and all that. It's Dude, speaking of getting outside... I did 20 miles of hiking on the weekend, which is like way more hiking Whoa. than I've ever done in my life. That's a lot. And that's like more than I've done in my entire life in one weekend. Did you go backpacking? I did, yeah. And that's the first time I've ever been backpacking, actually. So I, me and uh, Jan, she, uh, she's into backpacking, right? <clears throat> and it's something that I've never done. And she was like, oh, you can like borrow... Um, this backpack with all this other gear in it and stuff and we like hiked out to uh this place in tahoe and like camped and stuff and then walked up to this like giant lake and shit it was pretty sick man i'm definitely into it do you do you go backpacking um i did when i was when i was younger because um, i was in i was in scouts so i like went and, you know did some backpacking trips actually in in that same area like in around tahoe nice did you have you ever done lake lions um, I don't know. I don't even, it's been so long. I don't even remember. Yeah, we did Lake Lions, which is fucking crazy cool. And then, uh, we did some other trail like a few days later, which is how I ended up doing 20 miles instead of just 12 or whatever, which Dude, was that's that a Lake Lions trail. 20 miles is a lot of walking. It was a ton. Yeah. We did, um, one day we did three miles and then another day we did 10 and then another day we did like seven. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of walking. I felt really good after it. Um, I slept really well the day after and and the day of. And um, having that like first shower when you get home is so good. Oh yeah. And also like meals. Like if you're driving home from backpacking and you just eat a meal, it's like the best meal you've ever had. Yeah. And then the other thing, uh, I mean, it, this could go for any kind of camping, but the sleep schedule you get on is so good when you're camping. Yeah, it's like just basically revolving around the sun <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good like way to recalibrate yeah you're super into rock climbing right or you were i was yeah i i mean i haven't i 
Alyssa, my wife, and I have been uh, trying to get out and climb a little bit here and there. Nice. Um, and are you doing I, that um, in nature, or are you doing that at a climbing gym? Uh, outside, there, there's like a there's a ton of climbing around Boulder where we live. Crazy. And um, how do you how do you like how do you do outside climbing? Like, how does that work? Because obviously, in a climbing gym, you have like mats, and you can just fall onto those. And then you have like just colored routes that you can go and stuff like that. So how how does it work um, when you're doing outdoor climbing? Um, I mean, it's the same. It's like we we go we usually go sport climbing, which is where you have to you bring quick draws with you, which are like it's this thing that's it's two carabiners with a piece of webbing in between them, and one one carabiner clips into a, a into a bolt hanger that's bolted into the wall, and then mm-hmm. you clip the rope into the other carabiner as you go up. Okay, so you're always attached to a bolt. Yeah, and so, um, how. Who puts the bolts in? Are they just put in by someone who was into climbing before you that got yeah, there or something? Yeah, like whoever, yeah, whoever put the route up, like okay. establishing a sport climbing route outside is basically bolting bolt hangers into the wall, which is like a pretty long and involved process. Yeah, um, whose job is that? I mean, it's no one's, it's not like, it. people do it as like a labor of love because they want to. You know, it's it's kind of cool to be like, oh, that's my, I put up that route, or I put up that. It's it's similar. I mean, it's kind of similar to like indoor route setting, which I actually used to do for like that was my day job for like 15 years. Right. Was route setting inside, but that's in that case, you're actually putting holds up, and like you're bolting them into the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you use a drill to do that? Yeah. Yeah, he's an impact driver. But, you know, when you do it outside, it's kind of the inverse. So there's, you you don't alter the rock at all to, like, add holds or take away holds. You just put bolts in where you feel like, you know, there's a good spot to, like, clip. Right. Yeah, climbing is crazy. I've uh, done a little bit of it, uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm not very good at it. I'm way too heavy and not strong enough for how heavy I am, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I, I think it's just one of those things that you have to, you have to do a lot. Like it's, you, you know, you could argue that body type has something to do with it, but I, I've had, so I've had friends that, you know, are like a heavier build that climb way harder than somebody like my kind of build. Right. But it's got, it's, it has to be, muscle to weight ratio right like regardless of your body build or type it it just has to be how much muscle you have to how heavy of a person you are right yeah for sure and then there's also you also got to factor in like tendon strength that's a pretty huge one oh true how do you strengthen your tendons um i mean from what i've experienced it's just over a long period of time like it's a lot different than strengthening your muscles where you can just like go to the gym and work out, eat protein, and then you're stronger the next time you go. I've I found it's more of like a, it, it takes years to strengthen your tendons to where, you know, you're less likely to get injured. Right. Actually, um, would like playing guitar 
strengthen like certain tendons oh i don't know because i feel like i've had this experience before where um i played guitar right a lot when i was younger probably from the age of i don't know like uh, 13 to like 20 something so i played almost for like 10 years like every day um and when i i remember being younger when i was like 15 or something like that trying to play certain things and a, my whole arm would just like burn from like lactic acid and all oh, of my yeah. like um these like weird stringy sort of muscle things in my hand and my forearm would would hurt a lot which i assume were tendons and then i found towards the end of my guitar playing career not that i've like that i've 100% quit playing guitar full stop or anything like that but I just don't play that often anymore but um <clears throat> sort of towards the end of playing uh every day so in my early 20s that was not happening anymore so maybe that was had something to do with like tendon strengthening over years or something yeah I'm sure it does help I mean the lactic acid thing is part of climbing like when you get pumped mm -hmm. and your forearms get like really hard right right yeah, true. If you so how so you you said you did this for a job for a while. How many hours a day were you climbing? Um, I wasn't even. You you aren't really like climbing while you're doing it. It's more like ladder work. So you're basically just climbing up and down a ladder, um, moving the ladder around, which is a whole nother workout in and of itself. Because it, you know we'd use like these thirty. 35 foot tall extension ladders oh damn yeah it's a, it's a big ladder yeah so yeah it was a whole different a whole different thing and then you climb the routes afterwards when you're done but um i i, I kind of got to the point towards the end of my career of doing that where i could just i just knew the walls so well at the gyms that i was setting at that you know i could just put a route up and know that it's fine and like you know, we'll, we'll climb well and all that. I kind of miss it now that we're talking about it. Like at the start of your career, when you were putting routes up, you would have to like put them up and then try climb them to see if it was like even possible to do or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And like make sure that the footholds are in the right place and all that. Huh, so does that mean um, that the hardest route that could possibly exist at the gym was just the hardest possible route that you could do? Um, I mean, it. Not really. I mean, you could you could set something that like nobody could do, and that would be the hardest route at the gym. Right, but I mean, okay, so so you would set routes that you couldn't do. Uh, yeah, I, I would set. Yeah, I used to set like above my grade of what I could climb. True, but then so I would watch other in, people do it. It's measured in V, right? Or V V one V two. That's that's like the bouldering scale. Oh, so okay. the the bouldering scale is like the V scale, which is like okay. V zero through V. I don't know, it's 15, I think now, or 16. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, so I can do V0 and I can do V1, but I cannot do a V2. Yeah. Where where do you tap out on the V scale? I mean, I don't know about right now, but <laughs> I've climbed, like, I guess the hardest stuff that I've bouldered is, like, V8 and V9. Damn. But that was... That was back in my, um, you know, serious climbing days. Mm. <clears throat> does this have anything to do with why you're named Dirt Monkey? Yes, it does, actually. Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah. Because I used to DJ at climbing competitions. Like, that, oh, was, wow. how I, that was how I started DJing. Oh, and what, uh, what sort of stuff were you DJing? Mainly breaks. Interesting. You know, like the, the new school breaks. 
time of uh, electronic music. Yeah, I could see climbers being into breaks. It seems like it's just alternative enough, but like also just not offensive enough for like a bunch of climbers to listen to. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was like, it was right before dubstep. Uh, this must have been like 2005 or six. So it was right before dubstep started kind of showing up. Um, so at the time, it was kind of the the edgy music, I feel like. Yeah, fuck. Sick. What else have you been up to, like, other than shows and, and whatnot? Um, I mean, I've been just hanging out with, with my kid a lot. Um, that's been cool. He's two. Let's see. He's almost three. Um, and, yeah, just I've been skating a lot. I got a skateboard. I got, like, a cruiser skateboard, so... Um, I've been skating a ton like every day and just nice, cruising. Yeah. I saw you make a tweet about that saying something about like looking for skate spots in Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually found some really fun. I, I don't do like tricks or anything. I just like to cruise and find like find hills that aren't too steep. <laughs> right. Yeah. That honestly seems fun. I want to get into mountain biking more because I have like a pretty sick bike. And actually the other day when I was on one of the hiking trails, I got passed by like shitloads of mountain bikers. Yeah. And man, it looks so fun to just like hammer down the hills on, oh, on a man. bike. Dude, mountain biking is so fun. Have you done it before? Yeah, I, I used to be into it. Like before I moved to Colorado, I was pretty into it because mm-hmm. um, I, I grew up in Sacramento. So I would go ride around like Tahoe and Auburn and those areas and it was amazing and then I had to sell my bike to pay rent oh, one year damn. <laughs> yeah the classic move yep what's the like uh the goal with it because I mean it seems like to me and and this I don't know I've I've like done a I guess you could call it mountain biking like I've biked around tracks and shit a bunch but I've never gotten like fully into mountain biking but it seems to me like it's a huge pain in the ass to ride your bike up the hills, but then super fun to ride down the hills. Yeah. Is that kind of how it uh, goes? Yeah, kind of. And then there's, it depends on the trails you want to do. Like, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy like single track trails that kind of roll. So it's not, you know, you're not going up a hill for an hour and then down a hill for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it's more like a, constant like ebbs and flows yeah Um, that seems more fun for sure yeah but i think the ideal move would be to go to ski resorts and take a lift up and (laughs) ride a downhill bike down oh do they become mountain biking trails in the summer yeah oh i didn't know that that makes total sense yeah all those resorts around like tahoe have that which is kind of i've never done it but i've always wanted to I just have never had like a downhill bike to fully send it with. Right. But now you're just into like cruising on a skateboard. Do you do any downhill skateboarding? Uh, not like Squanto does. <laughs> yeah, man. He's mad into the downhill skateboarding. Yeah. he. I mean, yeah, he's, he's pretty insane. He doesn't think so. But whenever he shows me videos, I'm like, dude, you're going like 50. Yeah, he's showing me some videos and I was pretty like surprised that he hadn't like fallen over ever and dislocated his elbow or shoulder or something. Oh, he just did. 
He just dislocated his shoulder? No, no, he uh, he actually just dislocated his finger like a week ago. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of watching these videos just that he showed me being like, have you ever hurt yourself? And he was like, no, never. Like, worst thing that's happened is maybe like a bit of a graze or whatever. And <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Jinxed himself. Oh, yeah, potentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, skate, the stuff that I do is like around our... I like to skate around our neighborhood and it's like, it's also kind of rolling, so... It's like little hills that are kind of steep, but you see where they end. So at least you're like, okay, when I get to there, I'm going to slow down. I, I like, I keep my trucks really loose. So I like carve a lot while I'm doing it. So that kind of helps slow me down a little bit. Shit, yeah. It sounds like you've been having a good time doing shows and skating and shit. <laughs> it sounds pretty fun and not being on social media. Yeah, it's been, I mean, I've gotten back on social media and... I mean, I've been I've been trying to write music too, but it's just been I don't know. I I just hit this hit this wall recently where I'm like I feel just absolutely depleted of brain power to like try and write more music. Have you tried to write different kinds of music? Um, not uh, a little. I mean, I guess so. I guess I kind of go back and forth between like you know, different types of dance music, but I haven't written non-dance music in a while, which would probably Yeah, help. I find, um, or I found at least in, during quarantine, I haven't been able to write really dance music at all. I just haven't been writing like much dubstep, um, except actually the one that we started together at the start of quarantine. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been writing really a lot of anything uh, other than just like weird ambient music and IDM stuff because um, I don't know I find when there's no shows to play it just seems like I don't know it just seems pointless yeah and I'm just not driven to do it whereas like when there's shows where there's like you know I can trial new heavy stuff every weekend to like actual crowds through big sound systems and stuff like that it seems more warranted to do and I'm more driven to do it yeah. but when it's just me writing music in in my living room by myself to play to either just myself or just, you know, send it to friends on the internet or something. It's like, it seems weird to, to make bangers to me for some reason. Yeah. That's kind of the same. I mean, even though I've had a few shows, it's kind of, it's kind of the same. It's not, it's not like, you know, we have these festivals to look forward to. Right. And all that. But I mean, I've like, I, I feel like I, I've, I was able to actually write a bunch of music, during the quarantine because I was getting up really early. I was getting up at like 5 a.m. every day. Yeah, to I go remember to the you studio. messaging me telling me that. It's crazy. Yeah, and then the the last song I wrote actually was a song with Rusko, which I've always wanted to do. I, I feel like I put all... I was like just so stoked about it and put all my energy into it. And I'm like super happy about it. But then after that, I just... I feel like I have nothing left. Yeah, I feel that way, to be honest. Sometimes, like, when you just invest, like, all your energy into a single tune or a, or a single release, like a an EP or an album or something, it feels for a while like there's just not, not a lot left in the tank to work with. But I find what's good to do in those situations is, like, just organize my computers and shit, like, organize my sample libraries and um, just, like, make sure my computer and, and my workspace is like all set up perfectly so that when I do have some energy in, in myself to write music again, everything is just perfectly set up and ready to go, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. And like, especially cleaning your studio and 
you know, the physical side of that. Yeah, totally. And I think that's also a good time to just step away from it and like realize that it's good to probably do other stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Um, I appreciate you having this chat with me. And Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, me too. I've, I haven't done podcasts in a few weeks now. What I did is I sort of recorded a shitload of them like a few weeks ago. Like I was doing one every day for like two and a half or three weeks straight. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just releasing two a week, but I'm starting to run out of them. So I got to start making more again. So, dude, look yeah. what happened. Look at how much happens in a week now. I <laughs> uh, know it's like almost not worth recording them in advance at this point because, um, yeah, it's like they just come out sounding tone deaf because we just ignore all the problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I kind of started doing my podcast again. I mean, I'm only on the fourth episode now, but. Um, yeah, it seems like a lot of effort to do your one because you got to put like a whole set together basically every time you do it, right? Yeah, the last one I did was with Tom Shank Aaron, um, and we just we just did a discussion because we we did it like we did it about the whole I the whole thing about like playing shows during mm -hmm. this, right, so it was just a sense. two hour long discussion, and then we recorded another one about you know all of the rape allegations going on. But then the next day, the bass nectar stuff happened. Right. So it's almost like you have to make so another one to cover that. Yeah. So we were like, all right, scrap that, I guess. Well, fuck, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate you really um, taking the time to to come on and, and have another conversation. And um, yeah, I'm always happy to have you on, man. We should do another one. We should just do these like every six months or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Fuck, yeah. And we should finish our collabs, too. Yes. Both of them. <laughs> Sick. All right, man. Uh, have a good one. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes, and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's Tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you.